Brianna. Uh-huh. It's our 13th episode. It is our 13th episode. So, this is where Taylor Swift announced Speak Now Taylor's version is out now. Because yeah, because she... Grid walks on its 13th episode. 100%. She was waiting until we hit episode number 13 to really release it because there's been so many teasings. Cole and Brianna are lined up on the grid. It's lights out. And away we go. This week's Grid Walk. I was convinced she was going to announce it in Tampa this last weekend and that you were going to be there either the night she announced it or I really thought she was going to announce it on the 13th and then you were going to see her on Saturday and it was going to be a whole thing. Yep, 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 yep. So like this is the new thing that is the worst best part of like being a Swifty Taylor Swift fan, however you want to currently label yourself, is the constant clowning of like really, really believing things that like she never really does but you're like yes like every week i'm convinced i after it didn't happen thursday i had a thousand reasons why it was gonna happen yesterday and it hasn't happened but i'm just still like it's coming but we had huge weekends i was really mostly manifesting for you like i was i've just decided that she's never going to announce it but i was like if she's gonna announce it it needs to be when nicole is seeing her in concert right so she can do it in May. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yes, you were we we both had super busy, super eventful weekends. You saw Taylor Swift. Yes, and you saw cars on track, not F1 cars. <laughs> well, I saw some F1 cars on oh, track. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. 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 I went to the Long Beach Indie Grand Prix. That that is a mouthful. Um so I saw indie cars on track for the first time, but they also had a two historic F1 races. So I got to see F1 cars from the 70s and 80s racing around in a circle, which was really cool. And I got to see Taylor Swift run around on stage and sing songs I've heard a zillion million times. And it was like I had never heard them before. So we really lived our best lives. We both, thank God we have our voices back because Sunday's voice notes to each other were like really frightening for whatever this episode could have sounded like. It was rough, really rough. Yeah, but it was well worth it. I, we, you know, dedicated to the cause, committed to the bit. We're going to like be somewhere, do something 110%. But man, are we exhausted. (laughs) Yeah, and I don't know if you're going to be able to tell our energy drain during this episode. Because I think we're, like, I'm drinking a Celsius. We're both, we're just like, going to exhaust the last of our energy for this recording. And that will be the end of it. But I'm, I don't know, I love full weekend excursions. And like a three-day race weekend and being at the track and I am so sunburned. But all worth it. Really fun. Except the like mud like I'm in the Monday, Tuesday afterwards where I'm sad because it's over and also so tired. So I'm like living in. What would you say as I guess like an F1 fan? This was your first like IndyCar mm-hmm. race, their first kind of like non-F1 race experience. What would you say the parts that like really stood out to you that you really enjoyed that you think like maybe other F1 fans could like find some fun and enjoyment in at a non-F1 race? Paddock passes are unreasonably cheap. 
I would go to another IndyCar race and buy the cheapest ticket I can possibly buy and then just buy the paddock pass. For context, I spent $50 to be in the paddock for three days. And it's the, it's the same thing as being able to be in the F1 paddock, except you are actually looking into the garages. So it's better and cheaper. Like I saw Roman Grosjean walk into a porta potty. Like it's, they're all just right there. My mom almost got run over by Michael Andretti on his scooter. Like it was, and I got to like watch them make tires and watch them work on the cars. It was unbelievably cool. You touched a tire. I touched a tire. A used tire. Yes. Which, it was sandy. I don't know. That's how I would describe the feeling of it. Yeah. I mean, also, like, so everyone knows, Nicole and I have this thing where we desperately want to touch an F1 car because we've only ever seen F1 cars in the context of not being able to touch them. So, like, in a museum or if you're at a race, like, even if there's an F1 car there, you can't touch it. I want someone to let me touch an F1 car. So this felt like a step in that direction where I got to touch a used race car tire. Um, but, yeah, so the behind-the-scenes access was really cool. There was also a whole paddock for the historic F1 cars that was free for everyone to access. So I got to see all these historic cars with, like, all their parts off and people and mechanics working in them. I got to see inside of all of it. Um, the behind the scenes element of it was really cool. Um, I'm not a big, like, like, I don't, I'm not a big autograph person. I just feel that way about everything that I know so many people had a ton of fun getting to meet drivers and get autographs from drivers and photos with drivers. So even though that wasn't the reason I was there or interested, I know that that access is there. So that was cool. And I would recommend to anyone, if you have an IndyCar race near you, like, go just for that reason alone. Um, I did think it was interesting that, well, from my perspective, like, 50% or more of the people there were in F1 merchandise. So, like, Red Bull gear, Ferrari gear, so, so much Lewis Hamilton stuff. Wow. And we're saying, and, like, it's not like there was a Ferrari car there that weekend in any of the support series, so you can tell, like, they were wearing it because they're F1 fans. So I actually felt it was, from my perspective, really cool. And I would talk to different people. And we were talking about how we're F1 fans and we're there because, like, cars are fun. And it's cool to be introduced to a new series like that. Um, so those those were my highlights. I would definitely, definitely recommend it. Um, I will say the worst part of the experience is that if you listen to this podcast, you know I'm not a McLaren fan. No part of me is a McLaren fan. Ever. And I went into this weekend, like, if I'm going to do something, I do it 110%. I don't half do anything. So I'm like, I'm going to go all in on the fan experience. And my mother and I decided, I'm wearing it today, we were like, we're going to support Colton Herta from primarily because he's uh, from LA. So he's a local kid. And we thought that would be really fun. So we're like, great. On the last Sunday, my mom... And I, well, Saturday, we both bought this shirt. And she's like, I'm going to wear it on Sunday. And I'm like, I, I, we're not going to wear matching shirts. But would I still want to. Would have been so cute. It would have been cute. But I wasn't going to do that. So I was like, okay, that's fine. I, I work in marketing. I love marketing. I don't think a single IndyCar driver or team does marketing better than Pato and the McLaren team. I went, this is great. I'm going to go support McLaren. I'm going to move my personal bias from F1 aside. 
I'm going to support Paddle and McLaren. I wore a Paddle Award shirt. It was such a bad, <laughs> bad race day. It was like the world was saying, like, <laughs> no, Brianna, you are not allowed to ever like McLaren. Paddle just needs to change. He needs to go somewhere else. We love him too much, and it just, yeah, it was some kind of, like, hysterical curse that happened to you. No, because he was by far the fastest driver on Friday, and I was like, okay, this is cool, great. And then Saturday, he had, a, like, I think he was six in qualifying, so it wasn't, like, fastest driver, but I was like, oh, that's a great place to start the race, but, like, not fastest by far like he was on practice on Friday and then by the time you got to Sunday and he ended the race P19 I was like this is definitely a curse this is the world, this is the world telling me that I couldn't pick a driver and it'd be okay yeah definitely uh incredible but I wanted to ask, so, because if you're not watching on YouTube, which you should if you aren't, uh, Brianna is currently wearing a Colton shirt, and it's really sick merch. And we, you know, if you're new to Gridwalk, we absolutely love talking about merch here. So, in comparison to, like, F1 merch and being able, and, like, everything that we have to offer, they have to offer, and we're always screaming for more, where does IndyCar fall on that? Are they doing good job, bad job? What can fans at least expect from that aspect of Indy? Are they doing it right? It's so much better. No way. <laughs> like, so much better. And look, IndyCar. I won't say IndyCar seems like a progressive series or like really like pro women in motorsport. Like, I'm not saying the organization. I'm more talking about the environment, the fandom. Like, it doesn't give off like, woo, women. So like, even though I actually overall, side note, was genuinely pretty impressed by the amount of women working in the paddock um no have never been in the f1 paddock so i don't have a reference so i'm not trying to like comparison i just was sidebar just what impressed. you saw what you saw merch though i don't think all of the merch would have been everyone's cup of tea like i don't think everyone would have been obsessed with all the designs they were not just like logo like someone made an effort this is a woman's cut t-shirt. Such a sick shirt. I have never, I would never, oh, got a Parker knocking on my door. Hello. Thanks for joining us. I would never have labeled myself like a Colton fan. I've really consumed very little IndyCar at all. That is a sick shirt. I love that shirt. Yeah, they had all the drivers in this like similar style. Um, their jerseys, in my opinion, I didn't like so much but it's still like they have these like jersey style shirts that i can't say they have an f1 nicole they had a crop top oh, stop that stop that that's Again, the magic words i didn't think it was cute but it was a pre-made crop top not a oh i could buy that and crop it like they made it as is right actually what blew my mind the most was so mclaren did a whole launch of their three Indy 500 liveries. So they had this whole section in like the conference center. Like there was basically this whole like giant conference hall where all the sponsors and there were giveaways and like cars everywhere. McLaren had a whole section in there with their three show cars with their three Indy 500 liveries and a whole merch section with specialized merch for this launch. It was so cool. 
for starters, they have this really sick shirt with the years that they won each of the races in the Triple Crown. And again, I was considering liking McLaren for a second. I didn't buy the shirt. But the bigger deal to me was that they had all this stuff that I don't know why they don't sell in F1. They had a deck of cards with the logo. They had magnets. They had keychains. They had pendant flags. They had drawstring bags. Nothing I'm saying is expensive or impressive. What was impressive to me compared to F1 is that they had it. It exists. <laughs> and what I don't understand is, um, and I, I'll go grab it in a second to show the YouTube audience. Like I got a paddle shirt that was just as cool as this one, in my opinion. Like if they can make this for their IndyCar team that's newer, and I would say McLaren overall has some of the better merch in the F1 paddock, mm -hmm. but why can't like, if they know how to make a magnet for their IndyCar team, why don't they know how to make an magnets for their F1 team? It makes no sense in my brain. It it doesn't. It's like usually where there's the larger fan base, larger merch. That feels like common sense. But in this, I don't know, maybe it's like IndyCar is like, let's just make a bunch and see what fits. That sounds expensive. But kudos to them for doing it, trying it out. I mean... It's working. F1, I feel like it's slowly and but surely. I feel like it's like snail pace having this, but we're starting to see a little bit more. But IndyCar's clearly already doing better in that area of merch. I was like, there was a pen with a logo on it. And yes, I know. you. I can buy a Mercedes AMG pen from their website, but you couldn't if you went to a race. Mm -hmm. And that's where they get you. Even like the mugs we got for like coda it's like yeah right. they were coda affiliated it wasn't like an f1 mug they were yeah which hold on let me let me go grab the paddle shirt yay la 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 filling time hello this is me singing nonsense na 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 I wonder if Taylor Swift is gonna go out in public again today. Na, I'm excited na, na. to listen back to that on the edit. <laughs> wow, that's a really cool shirt. And it's so soft. And it's a woman's cut t-shirt. And by women's cut, I don't mean it like cinches in at the waist. It's just slimmer. It's just not a box. Right. Like, this is made for women. And I just... Now, the only complaint I'll have is on Sunday, it was really, really cold. And I didn't realize it was going to be that cold, so I did not bring a sweater. So I considered buying a sweater from anywhere. And I went to the, like, Grand Prix merch area. And a men's super boxy sweater was $10 cheaper than the smaller women's cut sweater. And then I got angry and didn't buy it. Pink tax. It's a pink tax on merchandise. For less, less fabric. That uh, makes no sense. Someone yeah. make it make sense. Cause that's so, so I can't like universally, and I don't think the diversity in sizes was great. And I know, so but overall, huge step up from F1 merch. And you know, you and I love merch. We do love merch. Yeah. I ordered um, my merch online because I'm not waiting on lines at concerts. So. 
I can't believe that Taylor Swift merch lines are hours. Hours, hours, and hours, and hours, and hours. And I'm just like, nope, I will not do that. I will order everything online. And the only thing that I really like to do when I go to concerts is get like the individual like city poster and things. And I was not going to be able to do that for Tampa, even though it's just like, they just added like an aerial font Tampa and the dates. Oh gosh. It was on the website yesterday. And guess who bought it? Even though they said they weren't going to me. (laughs) So I ended up going online and got everything that I wanted. (laughs) I'm excited to see in your future apartment, like it framed like all this different cities you went to now though. Yes, yes, yes. There will be, I'm going to have like a, it'll just be like shrines to all of my, you know, things there'll be like a formula one wall of all of my races there's will be a, a taylor swift wall of all of my era tours and other tours and then who knows and then i'll just be like wow i have too many interests and i give my money to a lot of things okay part what part of the era's tour do you think was the most unexpected considering you did you have watched all of this on live streams and online so what part surprised you with the like surprise songs don't count i was like the surprise song surprised me but they like really did because they were like mad woman and mean are the songs that i got and that was just like not Mm -hmm. on my list at all um the i am one of the people that like watches the live streams and I like am knowing what's happening at every single show and I don't need anyone to tell me that I'm crazy because I'll say it before you do so like yes I know there was already a lot of the set design and like the screens and everything that's already changed from like the first show and she's like including more like easter eggs like in the when she performs Bejeweled like the middle of the stage has like there's like this big like square it's like the middle of the stage and it is literally the art on the cd of speak now and like i had never noticed that before and like that definitely does like was not there um she has removed the golden invisible string that was the like Mm. the message of her and joe's relationship it is now gone so i'm very impressed of the constant like live production changes and just overall I don't know if it was like me existing and doing the three hour whole thing. I have no idea how she can, how she has the stamina for this. I was, I burned 2000 calories on my Apple watch because I was like curious of like what kind of workout. So I did a social dance workout, forgot to do it in the first 15 minutes of the show. So cruel summer is not included in my calorie burn, which is at least 400 calories. And I ended at like 1900 something. So it's, she continuously shocks me as a performer. No one needs to tell you that, like, you should go to the Eras tour because, like, I'm not going to say that because it's, you know, everyone knows what's happening right now. But God, if you can get your ass to the Eras tour, it is an unbelievable production. (laughs) Okay, I have two random F1 related questions. I love that. Uh, Do you want to go more serious or more absurd first? Serious, let's, then absurd. Okay, the serious question is what, if Taylor Swift was consulting with, let's go with specifically the Miami GP to create a better um, in-person Grand Prix experience, what do you think Taylor Swift would tell F1 to do? 
I, ooh, okay. I think, and I'm not saying this because this is um, something that I wish that they did and did not do, but to improve the fan experience, they should have the track go through Hard Rock Stadium because that inside stadium seating would be incredible for fans. They and not have only to knock down the stadium and rebuild it, though. No, they have the why? They can't go through the like the the. They like, tried to. The FIA wouldn't accredit it. It's not big uh, enough. But yes, I'm with you. They okay, should. In the I, hypothetical I, they should, world where they don't they, need to do it that way because yes. it was just, the fan experience would be enhanced so much more. And it's yes. just really difficult that they should. I think they should knock down the stadium and rebuild it so it can be FIA accredited. I'm with you. Yeah, just knock the whole thing down all over again. It just would make it, like, think about all of them, the concessions and merch and activities and activations they could do inside the stadium. It's just, it's like a waste of space to have that all there besides it just holding, like, paddock hospitality. They Um, could sell so many more tickets, make so much more money. Like, those could be, like, normal ish tickets because it's probably would just be a straight line through so it wouldn't right. be like great seats but yeah 100 percent. i would solve so many fan experience issues if you could sit in the stadium right because a lot of my other like automatic like fan experience things is like have the like do the concert at bayside and it's like but you want things it's miami's big issue is like okay they're not it's not like right in South Beach. So a lot of the Miami activity is not there. So it's all about enhancing the property that they currently have. So my immediate answer is knock down the stadium. Have the track go through. I'm only thinking of this right now as we're talking through this because I didn't think of this question ahead of time. Right, yeah, I was not. There was no prep for this, so I would have probably had a better question answer, but that was my immediate thought. I'm thinking that she would say that they need better screens and more pre-production and, like, enhancements on the screens. I feel like we'd say that about, like, I felt like the same at CODA. I just want more. Yeah, yeah, just get better screens because that is... I have never been to a concert like the Eras Tour that there are screens everywhere. Like on the side of the stage that is obstructed view, like they have screens. The entire other end of the stadium, like if you're standing on stage looking out, is a giant jumbotron. So like every direction, there's screens and you can see her. Like they, she did a really fantastic job of making sure that like no matter where you are, the seat is great. And the stage is huge, so like no, you can see everything. So it's definitely, I think that's that's enhancing the viewer, the viewing aspect from any spot in any seat is a really easy win for fan experience for sure. Her visuals are just incredible too. Like you were talking about what she does on the stage, like the show almost looks better the further away you are. Yeah, hundred percent. And I will eventually give the update of like what's it like in verse nosebleeds verse on the floor because thank you i don't know what i uh, what i did to just get lucky that that happened so i will be able to explain that difference but it definitely i was so glad that i was like up high i was able to see her like dive into the stage and like all everything was just incredible and it did just because i was in like the 300 nosebleeds i did not feel like i was missing out if anything it was like a better experience okay so my final silly question connecting f1 to the taylor swift eras tour is 
Do you think that she loses more calories in that race than an F1 driver does in Singapore? I mean, sorry, do you think she loses more calories during that concert than an F1 driver does in Singapore? It's got to be close. Right? It, re- it really definitely has to be close. Particularly at Tampa, the humidity. It was unbelievable. And like all these people on Twitter that are like, what's wrong with her hair? I'm just like, wow, let's check your privilege about never experiencing humidity before because or like that was the most relatable hair? thing. Right. Having like curly hair? I, I just don't understand. Like that, like she has much finer hair than me, it seems like. But my that is my hair. Like that's okay. what happens yep. when I walk outside. I don't understand. Do people not have people in their lives who have curly hair? I screamed about this for about two days after her first yeah. Tampa show. Because people were like, it's horrible. Why this? And then like, there's some people who are like, never straighten it again. Let the curls fly. And that's like yes. kind of where I fall. Um, so but just I'll- because I am like on this train and I will ride it until, you know, it falls off the tracks, which it will never because it'll just go on forever. I wholeheartedly believe that what she is doing performing like that for three hours sitting down once (laughs) to play a song at the piano is an athletic endeavor 100 percent. i i i could i was not really able to breathe it was really like the most like strenuous exercise i think i have ever put myself through it was (laughs) wow i wish i could just have that as an actual workout like every day that would be incredible the three hour I guess I'm just discussing like a three hour Taylor Swift dance party which I guess like is possible but it's just more fun I was gonna say but like I get get your intention is that you more just want to go to a Taylor Swift concert every day you don't actually just want to dance to Taylor Swift every day not the same no I do I do I would love to go to a Taylor Swift concert every single day she's gonna be in Houston this week and that's like not where I am and I'm sad Great weekend for us. Yay. Okay. So it is time again for us to be discussing some viewership numbers, interest in the sport. It's of course like hot topic for F1 right now. And Mm -hmm. we've seen a lot of back and forth that some people believe that due to Red Bull's current dominance of the sport, that it's going to halt the growth in the u.s it's going to slow down people's interest people are going to be like red bull is just too good and no one wants to watch that i go kind of back and forth on if that's like legitimate and more just based on how angry i am of red bull winning but that's just my personal (laughs) personal uh feud with it so you are the numbers person you love looking at the data of viewership and everything what can you tell us? Is this like a real reason for people to be worried? Is Red Bull's dominance of F1 right now going to suddenly like halt this growth of interest and this spike? So it's interesting because there has been so much panic, as you're saying. And the data right now that I publicly have access to does say no, that it's not halting interest. And I'm going to run through some of that data Uh, But I will point out before I do this that it is totally normal and natural if you are personally panicked about it. I'm not a Red Bull fan. If we have to do 10 years of Red Bull dominance, I understand you. I feel you if that's not fun. Um, But the numbers show the opposite trend. So this seems to be 
on the surface, a lot of F1 media needing something to talk about and being admittedly worried probably for themselves. So remember that if interest goes down, money the media is making also goes down. They're together. So if they're talking about interest going down, it comes from a place of internal panic. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to note that that does play a role in this. So I looked at two different things. I looked at U.S. in particular. All of this that I'm going to talk about is the United States because the United States is this big growing market. So we have an interesting baseline and then we have what, like an, a growth So we can see if F1 is going back to that norm. And I'm going to look at U.S. viewership numbers on ESPN, and I'm going to look at Google Trends data. So Google Trends tells us uh, the search numbers, essentially. How many people are searching for things related to F1? Uh, Quick refresher and reminder, 2019-2020, the beginning of 2019, uh, Ferrari was doing okay, and then they did their Ferrari thing, and Mercedes won. But we are in the middle of a Mercedes dominant era. 2020, Mercedes wins pretty dominantly. 2021, we all know what happened with Max and Lewis. And then last year, we had Ferrari spike at the beginning of the year, and then Red Bull dominance basically from the Miami GP on. Um, and then this year, we have clear Red Bull dominance at the top of the sport. But there's a ton of other exciting things going on. I remind you of all this because we're going to look at 2019 numbers. 2020, there was a pandemic. I don't have any good representative data, so we've chucked it out because we were all locked in our homes and races happened at weird times. And then we're going to look at 2021, which everyone references as the most competitive year F1 has had in modern history, and then last year, and then this year. So we're going to look at those four years. So for U.S. viewership numbers, year-over-year, Bahrain is flat. Like, flat viewership, same amount of people watch this year as last year. And if you think of the start of the season last year, you had, we're coming off Abu Dhabi, we have a new regulation set, and Ferrari was good, which is a magical storm for F1. This is F1's, like, Oh my gosh, moment. There could not have been more going on for them to have great beginning of 2022 season numbers. So if we're starting 2023 and they're flat in viewership year over year, that's a huge win. Then you have Saudi Arabia and viewership was actually up. The race was up 5% viewership year over year. But you could say, hey, it's only the second race. No one knew Red Bull was going to be dominant. So I would say the first real test of is Red Bull's dominance going to have an effect on U.S. interest in watching the race was the Australian GP. Now, the Australian GP takes place in the middle of the night, and viewership was flat. So if, for viewership numbers, if Red Bull's dominance was going to affect anything, it would probably be people staying up on the East Coast watching F1 from 1 to 4 a.m., particularly with that red flag and all the chaos and but yet viewership was flat so viewership numbers aren't everything they're only giving us espn cable numbers that doesn't tell us f1 tv but that's a good sign early on so that's when i moved over to google trends and i was like okay what is the search interest now search interest doesn't always equate to uh, avid fans but it does give you a good 
pulse on how ingrained in like general pop culture and the zeitgeist and like how much is f1 being discussed overall because it's the amount of people searching for things mm-hmm. there's now it also means that the peak of search interest was the start of the 2022 opener last year it was the highest that it's been in the last five years was the start of last season. It was people searching for the new regulation information. It was people searching to see what happened at the fallout of Abu Dhabi because not everyone follows it as closely as we do. Uh, There was, again, beginning of 2022, peak. A lot of people are Googling Formula One things related to Formula One, and you're able to see that in Google Trends. Right, really cool. By the way, trends.google.com. You can type in anything. It's It's really awesome. It's really great. Uh, now, I pulled the peak number over the four seasons I said we were going to look at, and let's compare them. So 2019, this was kind of, even though there was Drive to Survive, this was everything ramping up in the U.S. Mm-hmm. The season opener was the peak, and it got a score of 57. Compare that to the start of 2022, which got a score of 100. Okay, so if you're looking at things ramping up, that's the visual difference of how many people in 2019 compared to 2022 in the U.S. were searching for Formula One. Now, interestingly, the peak in 2021, what do you think the peak search interest was in 2021? At the start or at the start? Abu Dhabi. (laughs) Yeah. Right after Abu Dhabi. Everyone Googling, what is going on? Why did they cheat Lewis Hamilton out of the championship? So, but... Abu Dhabi got a score of 70. Now, I bring this up because the season opener of 2023 was our peak so far, and it was a 74. So at the start of this season, more people were searching for Formula One-related things than when Abu Dhabi happened in 2021. That, like, that doesn't compute in my brain because, like, It was such a big deal. It was such a huge deal, and if... And there's just been so many news outlets and like, we don't need to get into like which team principles and which, who has said what about like a dominant, like there's always like within the sport opponents were always going to say like dominance of another team isn't good for it because right. yeah, they want to win from like a legitimate like, like media outlets that are putting this out and like people that are speculating this, like that alone is just that search information is crazy because like the Red Bull won so much in advance, like at the end of last season, like there wasn't much to be Googling, I guess, or like big upgrades and things. I just feel like there was more like spiciness to be Googling at the start of, last year as opposed to this year so even though that there was, blows my mind yeah because and that makes sense because the beginning of last year versus the beginning of this year like google trend interest is down 26 percent. but if you told me that the second year of a regulation set meaning things are more stable people have less things to look up things are only down 26 percent in google search trends i'd be like wow that's such a win mm-hmm. like huge win great this is awesome and being up versus 21 six, I also pulled Australian GP numbers on Google Trends for the week of and the week after. So the week of the Australian GP, I will point out that year over year, so this year versus last year's Australian GP, search traffic leading up to the race was down 15%. Now, again, I think there's a Ferrari bump 
in F1, where Ferrari's doing well, things go better. So I think leading into the Australian GP last year, people were all excited about Ferrari. They were Googling that. This year, there's less to Google leading into a race. No one in Italy is Googling Australian GP that week. Well, I'm only looking at U.S. numbers. Right, but right, yes. right. I, just clarifying. Yes, me making the, a joke not to like yes. change the area of your data. No, it's more like, I got your joke, and if anyone listening is like, wait, I thought she was talking about the U.S. I'm like, yes, she is, she is. Um, but the week after the Australian GP, Google search year over year was flat. And I think part of that is that the FIA made a mess of things. And that's why I will tell you that all of this data is flawed. Because if you looked at just this data alone, you would probably say, great, every year needs to have a massive regulation shift. Every year, like for every race, the FIA needs to mess everything up so people are Googling things. And I don't think that's not what this data is meant to do or say. It's actually what I took from it, from a less extreme takeaway, is that F1 fans just like learning things and they're just interested by anything. So I don't think what's affecting Google search traffic and people going online the next day looking things up isn't necessarily this driver got P1, let me look more up about it. It's a new upgrade came. It's something interesting happened. A new rule was passed. New regulations were passed. I'm sure when we start getting year-over-year data around the FlexiFloor saga, we'll see similar numbers as well. Like, F1 fans are smart. And things that are causing upticks aren't necessarily um, competitiveness on track. What causes upticks in interest or it seems to be more like tech and regulation-based things. Who would have thought the part of the sport that really makes a difference on the track and like, maybe I'm just so used to like that when (laughs) like being introduced to the sport of like that being such a crucial part of this entire thing that I'm like, how do more people not get so invested in all of that? But yeah, that makes so much sense. Now I will take a step back and say that we are looking at very preliminary data. We've had three races this season. So the number one thing I know to be true is that Red Bull's dominance is ruining the sport is not evident yet. The same way that Mercedes dominance never ruined the sport. Let's just be clear. And so I don't think we can panic or assume anything either way. So when you're seeing people panic about Red Bull's dominance, ask yourself why when you see that. Um... But also, just see if those same, you know, the people who aren't panicking, like, were they also yelling about Mercedes dominance? Like, there's a, I'm just saying there's a lot of heated emotion that's going into this. So, like, I'm trying to, like, push all that aside and just, like, show numbers. And the numbers I'm, numbers I'm seeing is not showing that. And I, I think it is very easy to point at the American audience for why things need to change in F1, or the American audience is not going to put up with a dominance in the sport, and we can't have this again, and I really don't want an era of Red Bull dominance. But what I am seeing is that this American audience is well-primed and understands why they like F1, and maybe that's my bias where 
I don't like F1 and never came into liking this sport because I thought that on-track racing was going to be close. <laughs> I thought 2021 was a crazy anomaly and it was really fun to watch up until a certain second. But the... No, nothing that's going on right now makes me less interested in the sport. So it's interesting. I just, if you are listening to a non-American say Americans won't like this version of F1, ask them how they know that and what their data is. Because I, I genuinely would like to know what that data is and what they're looking at because I'm not seeing it. And if, like, this is all pointing fingers at U.S. viewership or American viewership, interest in the sport, everything like that. It's not like American sports are unfamiliar to like certain teams having like a sense of dominance for like a certain period of time, like in a sport. Like if you want to look at the Golden State Warriors or the Patriots or just like, like there's Lakers. so many, the Lakers, like there's so many, I'm, I'm sorry, I needed to include one of your teams. I don't have any, <laughs> but yes. And I was like, there's so many that you could name, but it's not like that's, this is like an unfamiliar thing if anything maybe i feel like american fans would be more familiar to like ah, a team that like has figured it out and there's a system and it's working and like it unfortunately kind of feels familiar at least in this scenario now if this was mercedes i would not say it feels unfortunate it feels would feel pretty great but i don't think this would be any i would never have seen this as a reason that americans would stop watching right i mean I think it's some of the things I didn't pull, but I talk a lot about on some of the videos we do on other social channels, like motorsports is not growing in all of the United States. Only F1 is as well. So this is, it's also not just inherently like, well, all motorsports is growing. And so F1 is growing and, oh, that will go away because they're going to find something else more interesting. Like, no, only F1 is growing as well. So there's clearly something about F1 that people are interested in. And I don't think based on this data that it was 2021. I think mm -hmm. most American fans who are still here after last season, because what we're forgetting is that last season, Red Bull was incredibly dominant. With the exception of the first three races of the season, right. Red Bull was unbelievably dominant all season. So we've as an American, very vested audience have gone through a season like this already. I don't know. I find I find the framing of this conversation very interesting. I will also throw out that Toto has been quoted saying that he doesn't think it's bad for the sport, which is just fantastic in contrast to the amount of kicking and screaming Christian Horner did for many years. What a juxtaposition. It's it's <laughs> If this is your first episode, by the way, Lewis Hamilton fans. Mercedes fans. Who's Lewis? I've never heard of that man before in my whole life. Just kidding. So I actually think that I hope provides more interest and validity to the fact that we're saying that we don't have less interest in F1 just because Red Bull is dominating. And I've pulled all the data to that is publicly available to prove that Americans do not have less interest, even though I would love to sit here and kick and scream and cry about how I don't want Red Bull to enter their dominance era. <laughs> the numbers tell us otherwise but I still don't want them to win. <laughs> no. um, it all comes, we both work in marketing. So I know you'll get what I'm about to say, but it always, always just comes back to marketing and framing. I genuinely believe that 
F1 has done a really good job explaining what their sport is to the American public. And therefore, if you understand what the sport is, you're not going to stop watching when the sport is the sport. I don't know if F1 knows and understands that they've done that good of a job, though. (laughs) They seem very panicked. And I'm like, no, this is the sport. Please don't change the sport I now like. Yeah, it's it's really incredible. I mean, they were able to curate this, like, or not they didn't curate, but, like, a beautiful online community form that's, like, so great at sharing information. A sector, an area of it is very, very great of sharing information and, like, wanting to, like, communicate with other fans and getting other people involved, which you don't see it very often, like, a lot of other sports, so I feel like they have that upper hand there. But, yeah, there was definitely, like, a lot of either content put out or just, like, fans choosing purposefully to educate themselves and thus like god now understanding different specs of the car and like how races work and sprint races and quality and blah, 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 name every single thing how i spent so much time learning all of this you think i'm suddenly gonna stop watching like no what would i do with all of this before i know so many different tire compounds <laughs> and not to bring this back to fangirls and fandom which is a topic we love to talk about but the value of having a very passionate group of predominantly young women, like we latch on to things and we love them for what they are and we want to improve them. And, you know, maybe a little less misogyny would be really awesome. And please, please, oh my gosh. But the, we will latch on and we will love that thing. And we, we're very realistic about it and we give you a bunch of money. So, take my money. There's nothing fair weather about fangirls. Hey, podcast listeners. Gossip Grid here, your guide to F1's paddock elites. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Gossip Grid, where I basically give you everything you need to know about F1 and pop culture. And of course, it was a jam packed week. Because we have no race, drivers are frolicking all over the world and doing a whole lot of other things that are other than driving a race car. So first off, we have to talk about Coachella. We're not going to talk about Camila Cabello and Shawn Mendes being spotted making out. We're not going to talk about the controversial Frank Ocean set that people have a lot of different takes on. But we are going to talk about just motorsports presence at Coachella. There was motorcore outfits all over the place. People are not giving up on this trend. Motorcores everywhere, and I'm here to support it. Uh, one of their performers, he, his name is IDK. I'm not, it's not that I don't know his name. It's literally IDK. <laughs> he really, really leaned into the trend. So in the middle, like his whole performance, he has a custom um, one-of-a-kind race suit with matching shoes, a helmet, and in the middle of his set had a live pit stop with a pit crew coming on stage and changing his shoes. Why is that also genius besides it just being motorsport themed? He also announced a Nike collab that weekend and those were the shoes that he was changing into. So from one pair for the collab to another. Marketing genius. Also, exactly, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Money everywhere, great genius idea, love to see it. And our absolute favorite man of the hour and of all the time, Lewis Hamilton was at Coachella for the first time since 2019. 
It's huge. Obviously, it was supposed to originally be in a race. And you know what? Things change. We have spring break. It's all happening. And he got to go to Palm Springs and was serving looks like, of course he was. That was no surprise. Every day was something else. It was Fendi. There was Gucci. It was ERLs, Capital Global. We saw Timberland boots multiple times. The outfits were great. Really, really rocking the Coachella vibes exactly as I expected. He attended a couple of the pre and post parties. He was at the Marc Jacobs and ID pre-Coachella festival. And it was funny because at the Marc Jacobs party, he wore a complete Fendi outfit, which I don't know. Uh, He also attended the Revolt Festival. He hung out with his regular entourage the entire time they were all together. And then he was also seen with his buddies, Nina Dobrev, Sean White, Justin Bieber, Cara Delevingne. He shared himself rocking out at Frank Ocean's set. So my question to Lewis, you teased your return to music. Should maybe we be expecting, you know, a return in a set at Coachella 2024? I don't know. We'll see. Depends if there's a gap in the schedule all over again. And if Lewis is not busy enough, we're here to bring you some more updates about Brad Pitt and Lewis's F1 movie. I still am just grasping for as much information about this movie as I can. I cannot wait for it. Lewis has been quoted of saying, I know we're going to make the best racing movie that's ever existed. And I'm just like, give it to me right now. So all the updates that I can give you, still no name. General plot is a Formula One driver, an older retired driver who would be played by Brad Pitt, comes out of retirement to return to the team and help mentor a younger driver. It's like very Hollywood, very big story. Um, The younger driver has been cast. Damson Idris will play the younger driver. And this whole film is being produced by Lewis's new production company, Dawn Apollo Films, with help of Apple Studios. And Apple TV has also recently announced that they're making a documentary completely about Lewis. So just give that all to me. The film is being directed by Joseph Kozinski, who just directed Top Gun Maverick. And we know Lewis is a huge Top Gun fan. And they're going to be utilizing a lot of that same technology. And if anyone saw Top Gun Maverick, it's absolutely insane. And I cannot wait to see this being filmed for F1 racing. They're going to be using a lot of live action racing, real on-track action. And a lot of that filming will happen at this year's races and Grand Prix happen later in the season. Uh, Stefano Domenicali has come out and said that this will take place at various locations. So we'll be seeing a lot of it. Um, Tim Cook, Brad Pitt, and Hamilton have had several meetings with heads of F1 teams to ensure that they want to, them to participate and it'd be a big group effort. Uh, Hamilton says he will not be featured in the film because he will be busy being part of the on-track action. And I say, that's a load of hooey. You're going to give us at least one cameo. It is an absolute must. Right. Come on, Lewis. Don't even, you, you got to at least pop up at least once. Um, so it will be apparently exclusively in theaters for the first 30 days before hitting your Apple TV plus subscriptions. So continuing to hope to hear more casting news, maybe get a name. Um, But I can't wait to see the rest of this cast because Lewis is really putting uh, a lot of effort into making sure it is a diverse and well-represented cast. And I expect nothing less from him. And he says that he thinks it's his responsibility to make sure it's diverse. So all the other drivers have to be up to doing something since there's no racing going on. So what are they doing? Watching other sports. 
So this past weekend, we had a whole bunch of our F1 favorites at the Rolex Monte Carlo Masters, which is part of the ATP Tour, which is the Association of Tennis Professionals. We saw Toto Wolf. We saw Susie Wolf. We saw Lando Norris. We saw Nick DeVries, all of them attending. We got some extra special content with Charles and Pierre and Charles' brother Arthur. They were all together dressed fabulously. They were there watching some doubles matches with Andrei Rublev, and um, he captured his ATP Masters 1000 crown in the finals, and you could literally see videos of Charles, like, biting his nails, and there's commentators filming him, and he was, like, the edge of his seat the entire time. And then after the match, Pierre, Arthur, and Charles got to go back and hang out with Andrei, and then um, the opponent that he played with, Holger Rune. So it was definitely really interesting. We also got to see George at ATP as well. He hung out with Djokovic. They had a whole little bit of back and forth about traveling around the world, what it's like to be an F1 driver. It was like definitely a really unique pairing of people having a conversation. So everyone kept really busy. Didn't realize. (laughs) Right. It was just very interesting collection of people. Um, If you're not familiar with Djokovic, he's currently ranked the number one tennis player in the world and has a very acquired personality. Um, So I could just imagine George's British politeness rubbing really well with that. (laughs) Uh, Upcoming, we have, if you did not know, sports has their own Emmys ceremony. So there is like an entire Emmys besides the traditional TV, sitcom, comedy, all of that. And there's an entire event just for sports. So on May 22nd, if you want to watch online or on the Emmys app, which is a thing that exists, um, Drive to Survive was actually nominated for two different categories. So for Outstanding Documentary Series and then also Outstanding Audio and Sound. So Drive to Survive getting some nominations from the Emmys and maybe award-winning soon. We also found out this week that the first week viewership of Drive to Survive was up 40% year over year. So interest is not waning for the series. No, interest is not waning, especially when you have people like us who watch the whole thing in one sitting. <laughs> I like to think that that's all our fault. <laughs> 100%. We caused that entire bump. <laughs> And last little bit of pop culture that I got to bring you this week is Paramount Plus has signed a full season promotional deal with F1. They are an official partner. They had a short-term deal last year that gave them like some exposure at Silverstone and Monza just with some of their placements. But this year, they're definitely expanding that deal a whole lot more. There's apparently going to be Paramount Plus characters from original series and movies and there's gonna be spongebob everywhere let's bring spongebob to an f1 race well i loved seeing that last year like very serious f1 racing and then just like spongebob in the background i was like this is great he doesn't have his boating license put him in a car oh my gosh imagine if we got like some of that VR technology where just randomly in the middle of the race, like SpongeBob is next to Max Verstappen. Like, there you go. You're worried about like competing for a lead? Like, put SpongeBob SquarePants in a boat. So now, also to reference, if you haven't seen, we've, Brianna has did a really, really great video a couple of weeks back on our other social media platforms about how the NHL did an animated um, live, like, they reanimated an entire game and 
played it on Disney Channel. So now I'm just completely imagining an entire F1 race on Nickelodeon with like SpongeBob like popping out and like they're being slime like they do with the NFL. <laughs> Please, I just want to be able to switch all the drivers to, and of course, alternate feet, but all the drivers to Bikini Bottom characters. That would be incredible. We can't just give them these ideas for free. It's oh, just- but then <laughs> Okay, but if I could watch it, like, that I'd want it. Like, and if it rains, what if it was raining slime? Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done distracting the guys. As long as F1 Multiviewer includes the Nickelodeon stream as an additional screen, I'm all for it. I just need to be yeah. able to continue to use F1 <laughs> Multiviewer. I would watch both of them side by oh, side yeah. for sure. <laughs> so, uh, we maybe we'll be seeing Spongebob and Patrick at Formula One fan zones um, in different areas. There's going to be a lot more Paramount Plus branding on track, signage, digital sponsor, sponsor, uh, sponsorship and promotion. But reminder, if you have Paramount Plus, this does not, it's not going to give you any sort of ability to watch the race at all. That's it, This is literally just a promotional partnership because ESPN has all of these rights until 2025. So maybe Paramount Plus is trying to make sure that they're like a serious name in that conversation when they're looking to renegotiate. But for now, I just asked for SpongeBob to be in the paddock. <laughs> and that is all we got for you this week on Gossip Grid. And I hope to one day be able to purchase Spongebob F1 merch. And we will see you next time. What an episode this was. We are at the end. Welcome to Yellow Sector Notes. This is not the fastest lap around F1, but we will hit every garage talking about every team in the pack. So, it's on my phone today. <laughs> Red Bull. Well, it's off season. Words. Wow. It's spring break. It's been a while without a race. Therefore, some of these notes are not the most interesting. The first three are all that three teams released videos to their YouTube channel that I thought were interesting that you might want to go check out. Red Bull released a video behind the scenes of a race weekend from 18 Principles' point of view. Aston Martin released a video with an update on the their new factory being built, and Mercedes put out a video celebrating 10 years with Lewis, and he reflected on all the big moments. So you should definitely go check all of those out, but you can tell which one's my favorite. But also, the factory behind the scenes stuff has been very cool. Uh, Carlos's penalty appeal to the FIA from the Australian GP was dismissed, and he publicly acknowledged that the clarity and decision making in F1 has been a hot topic for the last couple of years. Just give Lewis his championship back. Please. Zach Brown took part in both of the historic F1 races at the Long Beach Grand Prix this weekend, which was was cool. See his little head go boom. <laughs> he drove an old Williams car, which I believe is his own. <laughs> Joe was on a billboard for Hennessy in China. Logan did a lot of things in New York City, including ringing the closing bell at NASDAQ. Uh, posing at the top of the Empire State Building and taking photos in many iconic tourist locations around the city. I did not run into Logan in New York City in case anyone was wondering. I was wondering. Nick DeVries went to an AC Milan game in his time off. Uh, members of the press have received copies of Gunther's book and apparently he goes hard at the entire Schumacher family. So we have, all, we have that to look forward to when the book's officially released. 
And lastly, many teams are using this long layoff between races to give their reserve drivers testing time in the 2021 versions of their cars. This includes Ferrari, Alfa Romeo, and Alpine. I think a couple more that I missed, but those are the three that I saw predominantly posting about doing this testing time. That's the grid walk for April 20th, 2023 completed. How was my sector time today, Nicole? It was longer than Zach Brown's second historic F1 race at the Long Beach Grand Prix. Yeah, he crashed halfway through lap one. <laughs> he was okay, so that can laugh. He totally um, right, he was totally fine. <laughs> Thank you so much, as always, to VoiceOver Man. Thank you, thank you for existing, Taylor Allison Swift, and for giving me one of the greatest weekends of my whole life. And to our four-legged executive producers, even though mine decided to run in and out of the room today as much as you wanted. Um, make sure you turn on auto-downloads. Rate and review the pod. Let us know what you like. Tell us what you'd like to see us try out. What's something that you'd like to hear us talk about? What's something you'd like to hear our hot takes about? Reviews really, really help us out. Especially all you folks on Apple Podcasts. Pretty, pretty please. Let us know what you think. Take two seconds out of your day and make our day and review the pod. Positively. And <laughs> make sure you follow us on your social me- social media platform of your choice. And as always, we will be back every Thursday and we sincerely hope you join us. Today like super felt like a grid dance, <laughs> not a grid walk. I think you're still on Eras tour hangover. I am, I can't wait till the next one. <laughs>